Welcome to the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. This is a show about pushing through obstacles and hard times in order to live a happy and fulfilled life. I'm your host, Ted Fayton, and it's a pleasure to have you joining us. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Let's grow. This is the second time we're doing a live event, and uh, it's been it's been absolutely amazing, the feedback that we've gotten from folks on the Facebook group, from folks in person, even phone calls. So this is something we feel is needed, and we're really excited to continue to grow this. So thank you for being here on the ground floor. As we get ready to get things started right now, we want to start off with hearing a few words from our presenting sponsor of the evening, who's come from a very long way. Please help me welcome up to the stage Chris Vester with Hubert Vester Auto Group, our presenting sponsor for the evening. Come on up. Thanks, man. Thank you. So Ted and I had a conversation um, one day this week. He said, I'm going to give you an opportunity to speak. And he said, just tell your story and you'll have about five minutes. And the guys that came with me know that I can't tell a story in five minutes. Um, I'm a talker. Right, Tyler? Right, Ted? Um, a lot of people would probably wonder why a dealership group in eastern North Carolina would sponsor an event in Greenville, South Carolina. It's four and a half, almost five hours away. And it's because I believe in what the group is trying to do. And that is create a space where men can come together and have conversations, tr- transparent conversations, without worrying about being judged or, and then realizing that other men struggle with the same thing that we all struggle together, I guess. And what made me want to get involved with this particular one is when I found out that the actual uh, subject was going to be relationships. So back in April, Tyler did a 30-day challenge, a video challenge. I don't know if you even remember this, Tyler. But one of the questions that he asked, and it's like he'd ask a question and you had to post a video response. And one of the questions he asked is, what's the one thing that you struggle with the most? The first thing that comes to your mind. And the first thing that came to my mind was relationships. And I put in there that I struggle with toxic relationships, going back and revisiting, romanticizing toxic relationships, whether that's a business relationship, an old romantic relationship. And I've been married now for 20, 23 years. So, but romanticizing all those old situations and relationships. And it's where you have toxic people in your life. So when they said something about sponsoring it and I found out, well, it's about relationships. It's like, I, I went up and like, all right, God, I hear you. And it's, it's, it's my time to talk about relationships. So I think relationships is vital. And then when Ted recommended the book, um, The Power of the Other, it, it puts it so plainly about being in a corner for a relationship, right? And I hope we get to that today, man. Um, but I do believe what we're trying to create here. I came back in June to the first live one they did and got a lot of content out of it, a lot of a lot of good feelings that was able to bring back home and with the guys that came with me that time. Um, so I know what we're trying to do here will make a difference. And if it just has effect on one man that changes his relationship with his wife, with his business, with his children, with his future wife, um, with the good Lord above, which is a relationship in itself, then it's worth being here and driving four and a half, five hours and putting my name on an event that I believe in. So thank you guys for putting this together. Chris, thank you. And before we really jump into today's topic, we can't say enough how, how important it is to have these 
relationships, these positive relationships. And part of that is, is our partners and our sponsors that have helped this, this event be possible. So aside from Hubert Vester Auto Group, our presenting sponsor, I do want to take the time to thank our food, our food sponsor for the evening. You'll be enjoying some, some delicious eats from the Uptown Company. That's going to be coming uh, a little bit later on. Comprehensive and Cosmetic Dental Studio of Greenville. Uh, Charles and myself actually use uh, Dr. Andy Bullard for this, this million-dollar smile. <laughs> and... <laughs> Of course, a huge thank you to, to Zell for being a sponsor as well. If you need talent for your business, for your company, they're an up-and-coming company, kind of gathering the best talent for you to use and outsource some skills for. Catalyst Gym, R-Axis Financial Planning and Investment, both with Charles. So if you need someone to help you with your money or with your body, with your physique, Charles is the man to see. And a huge thank you to the Huguenot Loft here at the Peace Center for hosting us tonight. And most importantly, I want to thank each and every single one of you out here because the modern man is not possible without your participation, without you guys sharing, which the microphone up there, uh, that's what that's for. There's going to be an opportunity for you guys to kind of come up and share throughout the morning. Before we start talking and before we really hop into it, there's an exercise that we wanted to do. You each have that sheet of paper that you should have filled out already. Is that done? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to mix them up. I want you guys to look at your neighbor, switch with them, make sure you switch maybe three or four times. I want the piece of paper that you have to end up on the opposite side. Do you want to? Yeah. Yeah. How about we're going to kind of come and kind of jumble them up with you guys. Yeah, he's, he's going to grab some so we can do it as well. Um, and what, what these sheets have is they're, they're just a number of questions, right? And they, they pretty much ask if you've ever felt a certain thing. This is kind of the topic we want to lean into in terms of relationships. <laughs> it's called vulnerability, Charles. <laughs> so we're going to fill this out as well, but we're going to go through it together as we go. Have you ever felt financial pressure. Go ahead, put a check or an X if that applies to you. You guys are going to see me fill this out in real time. Here we go. That's vulnerability. A sense of loneliness. Put that down if you felt that. Angry, unable to express it. And this is not just last week, not just in the past month or so. This is really if you've ever kind of felt this throughout the years. Stuck and unable to escape your current situation. A lack of positive male influences. Bored, unfulfilled. Ted, check all the boxes. You know what? <laughs> We're going to hand that out. And then you grab them yeah, for grab us. Five grab five for us. You put, don't put your name on it. Yeah, I hope none of you put your name, put on, it. name on it. But this is an exercise we're going to kind of do in, in terms of kind of like just realizing that a lot of times we, we tend to think that our problems are our own and that we're the only ones going through it, Right. Sometimes when it's raining, we think we're the only ones getting wet, but it's raining on more than just ourselves. So this is going to be a little bit of a practice I hope can help open up our eyes into the fact that, you know, we're, we're not alone in our struggles. We're not alone in the things that we deal with. And, and when it comes to some of these common issues that we think are, are dire or just something that we only deal with, there's a lot of other people who probably can relate and who probably go through it as well. So that's why what we're hoping to accomplish here is kind of a visual into just how much 
this does impact folks. So once Charles comes comes back up, we can kind of go through the list. Sure, it's a long time. Yeah. Come on, Charles. <laughs> 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 Tip the dealer. <laughs> the, house wins. The, house wins. the house always wins. So we're going to do this as well, guys, and I, I appreciate the patience through this. And, and we'll start with number one, and, and pretty much... Here's the fact of what we got to do. <laughs> so we'll, we'll start with the first one. If number one, financial pressure is checked on your sheet, stand up. If number two is checked on your sheet, a sense of loneliness, loneliness stand up. If number three, stay standing, stay standing if, if you came up. If number three, angry and unable to express it, go ahead and stand up. Stuck or unable to escape your current situation, stand up. A lack of positive male influences, stand up. Bored and unfulfilled, stand up. Doubt or lack of confidence, stand up. Held back by the people around you, stand up. Misunderstood by those closest to you, stand up. Now here's the thing, these, these nine issues were taken by random, but if you look around, every single one of us are standing up right now. And that's why we think the modern man is important and it's necessary because whether it's just one of these things that's checked off or all of them, your paper's not your own, but you know somebody in this room has had that and needs it. So we're gonna hop into why it's important for us to kind of relay with each other what we're going through. That way our problems don't have to be our own. So let's sit down and get into it, guys. Thank you so much. Talking about relationships, Charles, I know you just recently had a an experience that you wanted to share with us to get things going um, about how relationships have been important for your development. So why don't you go ahead and help us out? Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. How you doing today? Uh, so I'm going to start out with, I'm actually nervous. And there's only like 20 of you out here. I talk in front of people all the time. So being nervous isn't like really my thing. And I actually know most of you. So you're like, why is he nervous? Well, I'm going to tell you why. Because this is important. And it's very important to me. I'll rewind back, and I have to rewind back to give you the, the relevance of what I'm saying. So uh, I'm going to step down here so I can talk to you guys. Um, five, six years ago, I moved back from Germany, post-military. And I started dating a girl. And I'm, the short version is everything I thought was great, blah, blah, blah. She got breast cancer and she passed away. I had a very awkward year and a half. It's real awkward. I was mad at God. I was mad at the universe. And if you saw me and you saw me out, you thought I was fine. But I wasn't fine. I was drinking a lot. I was in a very weird place. Um, I'd go home. I'd be sad. And that's just what I was doing. But I never reached out to anyone. I stayed at home. I handled that internally. Uh, my only friends were party friends. And that's what I did. That's how I lived with it. And luckily, the man above, whatever you believe in, the man above, one day I woke up one morning and he slapped me in the face and said, boy, what are you doing? And I figured it out and I was like, okay, not a good thing. You need to handle it differently. But it took a year and a half of my life to figure out what I was doing, to figure out that I was doing the wrong thing, to figure out that there was a better way to live life. 
Fast forward to this year. Literally this year, uh, I think the date was July 14th. And it still makes my heart beat awkwardly. So me and my girlfriend, we bought a new house. We bought a horse farm. Yeah, I'm out on that old town road. I'm doing that thing. And the first exit away from my house, a lady ran a stop sign and I hit her. Totally her fault, but I hit her and I killed her. Now, I've, I've deployed, I've been military, I've been in combat, got certified, whatever, but how many of you have ever ran a stop sign and you're still here, it's okay, it's not a problem, right? It's not an issue, but I killed her. <laughs> the next day, I get a phone call from my kid's mother. Now, my kids don't live with me, me and their mother aren't together, and she's crying and she asks me what's wrong, and she says, am I okay? I don't even know how she knows. She's like, well, the lady you hit was Sherry. Sherry lives next door to my kids. And I was part of her dying. I'm religious. I'm a Christian. Uh, I believe everything happens for a reason. So what the hell was that reason? I was, I was in a fog. But one thing I did... I. The one thing that I have learned, the one thing that I actually learned and I held on to was that I'm not doing that again. I'm not going into alone by myself again. So I reached out. I reached out to my pastor. I reached out to a psychiatrist. I know I had friends that just came to my house, like literally just pulled up. Hey, bro, you okay? And wanted to sit down and talk and have that conversation. And, and all they wanted to do was give me empathy, give me sympathy. And they just wanted to listen. And, and then I had friends that wanted to correct me and tell me that I was wrong. Tell me that I didn't understand what was going on. And this was two months ago. And I'll tell you flat out, while, while right now, I'm almost sad right now. But all of you are out here. And I'm not sad. Because I have those connections. I understand that there is a purpose, and that's a conversation. If you want to have it, I'll be glad to have it with you. There's literally a purpose in what happened. Mind-blowing. There was literally a purpose in the conversation that I had to have with my children about that I was involved in your neighbor dying. But instead of telling you how sad I am and how upset I am, what I want to tell you is that I have found relationship. And I get to find relationship with all of you. And I hope you guys get to find relationship with everyone in your life and with someone in here because that is how you grow. So, Ted, thank you for letting me start this conversation. Thank all of you guys for being a part of this conversation. And I want to sit right here because I want to live right here with you guys and, and grow with you guys. So thank you. Charles, thank you. And that pretty much just opens the conversation. Um, don't, don't turn the mic off, because I'd like to unpack that, if that's okay, um, as we, we talk about relationships, right? What was the difference between years ago with your girlfriend and, and this situation? What would, what's the clear difference you see between the two that's when turn the mic off 
uh, its relation, it was Old school Charles would have never gone to his pastor to, to have a conversation about, well, I'm religious. I believe that God does this thing, does that thing, whatever. I wouldn't have talked to my pastor. I would have just sat at home, and I never would have understood. I never would have figured it out. So I went to the person, and that's one thing that, you know, in this conversation about relationships, you have different people who have relationship expertise. There's different, you talk to coaches, you talk to colleagues. Well, I needed a coach because I didn't understand. I needed a religious coach. So I went to my religious coach. And my religious coach put me in a place that you guys will never believe. I instantly, I mean, this was instant. Now, we talked an hour and a half, and at the end of that hour and a half, I instantly, I understood. There was a why. There was a reason. There was a purpose. And you don't have to agree with that. But it saved me. It saved me from another year and a half of loss of life. So I love the fact that you mentioned religious coaches. I think we go through life, right? We have teachers, we have sports coaches, and then we graduate from school and we land in the real world. We're like, okay, I'm good. I got it. We all know how to do this thing called life, right? But I don't think the coaching stops. I don't think I don't think the mentorship stops. You really, to be honest, these men I'm surrounded by here, I look up to each and every single one of them. And I'm being completely honest, there's something they each possess that I want. And I want to learn how to attain that. So that's why I'm like, hey, Tim, talk to me more about how, how you've learned to speak so well. You know, hey, Jonathan, talk to me more about your relationship with God and how you spend so much time with your family. You know, Tyler, not only do you balance business so well, I see the family aspect there. And, and Charles, you, you hold yourself so well. I want to learn how to do that. So that's why I surround myself with this panel up here. It's the relationship, so when I'm coming up short in one of those aspects, I try and reach out for that. But I feel like most people, they don't, they don't reach out for someone that has what they want. Yeah, and, and one thing that I know about Charles and that I know about that situation is that had he not been a person that before was proactively reaching out to people to see how he can help them, when all of a sudden the roles flipped and where he needed help, those people wouldn't have been there. And so, you know, this terrible situation happens and these people run to him because they knew he needed help because he had helped them before and he had been there for them or for someone they know, or they just knew of Charles as the guy that comes and, and, and tries to help in any, in any possible scenario, in any possible way that he can. And so I think that's a, that's an important lesson when we talk about relationships, that it's not just take, 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 take. It's giving with the understanding that you're going to need it at some point and that there's people around you that are going through stuff. That's an extreme example of pain, but there are people in this room that are going through something that could be equally as painful to them right this second. And so what are you doing on a daily basis with the relationships that have been put in front of you to pour into them and to be that ear, that, that shoulder to lean on so that later down the road, when you go through something, they're going to be there for you. And, you know, another thing that I wanted to mention is, you know, when it comes to, you know, he, 
Charles said, you know, reaching out to a coach. Um, and you were just talking about, you know, having these relationships of, with people that have things that you want or the things that you desire that you want to attain or want to have inside you. You know, to me, one of the most important elements of, of relationships that we all need to have is relationships with accountability. And so if you look at all the areas of your life, who specifically do you have in your life that holds you accountable to those things? And that's willing to call you out on those things, whether it's working out, whether it's your relationship with God, whether it's your relationship with your spouse, like who do you have in your life that'll just come up to you and say, Hey man, you know, I I see you acting this way. It's not really congruent with the things I've heard you tell me that you're all about. So what's going on? Um, I just, I, I truly believe that we cannot hold ourselves accountable to reach the highest level of performance in all of the areas of our life. We can hold ourselves accountable to being mediocre. We're all great at that. But if we want to do something special, like if we want to be extraordinary, I do not think we have in ourselves the ability to hold ourselves accountable for it. And so it takes somebody else pushing you further than you could go. And it takes somebody else asking you those tough questions. It takes somebody else just knowing somebody else will call you out, will get you to do that thing. Um, and so for me, that's been a big part of my life this year is adding in layers of accountability so that I know if I don't do what I'm supposed to do, I'm going to have to answer to someone. Um, and I would love to say that that someone would be me and that I'm strong enough to do that myself, but I've realized I'm not. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And the solution is adding in those layers of accountability so that you can get what you need to get done, done. Um, so that to me is an extremely important part of relationships is having it be one of accountability. And, yeah, and he's right. You are your worst accountability partner. <laughs> Just don't. You, you'll tell you, you know, you can talk yourself into something to talk yourself right back out the next moment. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I'm going to do this. And then, oh, that, you know, no, that's better. Right? So I think another picture that I want to see from that story, and I appreciate it because Charles did, we did have a conversation, shared it briefly with me. I don't know, we talked a good bit that day, but um, I was on the phone and he shared it with me and it just hit my heart so strong. And it was just the fact, and I felt like my role was to be more empathic. I was just to be able to be there and to be in his world. So, you know, I spent a lot of my time with people where they're looking to me for a lot of answers. And one of the rules I try to set for myself is don't give people answers to remember, give them a problem to solve. Okay? Because I believe it as coaching, that's what it's about. But even when it comes down to a real place, and you hear the rawness of the guy that I look up to Charles, you know, I admire him, I see his energy, I see his strength, he's got mental toughness, he has all those things, but I think just having that around, if you want to call it levels of accountability. If it's the inner circle, it's whoever's close to you, whatever, you've got to be able to get raw. It's called wound care for a reason. I have to wound you for you to be healed. And even though I'm not the one wounding Charles, it was wound care. I'm a part of that. It's called exposure. I used to do a lot of rock climbing. When you're up on the face of a mountain, that's exposure. And you have to get that through your head. You have to deal with exposure, being exposed. Some of you have been in the military, number one, thank you for doing that. But if you haven't, you're out there, and you, you don't have cover, it's what? It's exposure. You're exposed, and you need cover. And sometimes we don't understand this. It's going to sound a little freaky. If I trip somebody you met out, so be it. 
you need to know what it's like to have a man who loves you. Just love you. Care for you. To do, if you're a Christian, it's where you hear, I'm, I'm under his wings. That's what that means. You know what submission is? Biblical submission is not about someone being underneath someone's foot. So imagine we all go to Cleveland Park, the park that's around here, and it's a hot day, and we all decide we're going to have a cookout out there. What are we going to look for on a hot, sunny day? Shelter. So that's what submission is, is arranging ourselves under cover. That's submission. And we all need that in our life. See, the greatest power that men need to take possession of is the one that starts there. The real, the raw, the revealed, the, that bare, fresh skin when the scab comes off and it's brand new. When you look at it, you've ever had a kid and they see it, and that scab, like, they go, why is it so pink? Because it's new. It's still raw. It's still you. And that's what I felt like I got to play a role in and, and, and just feel like I'm just following up with this conversation here. That was the most powerful thing is that in our short time of connection, we've built enough connection to where he knew he could talk to me and I didn't have to give him instruction. I didn't have to solve a problem. But I could, I could be like a tree that provide a little bit of shade as he moves throughout his day where he needed to go. And to know that he's loved like that in a safe love, in a real love from a man that he actually believes has some power too. And I think that's why we're hearing him tell a story today that I don't know that I've been able to tell in how many months it's been moving my heart through that situation. So, that was all really awesome. Uh, I think what's fascinating, I mean, when Charles shared with me the story that first time, hearing it, he had a couple, probably a couple months to process. And one of the most difficult things for men when they talk about relationships is the strongest relationships you have are not because all you ever talked about was your strengths and your successes and how awesome you are. The deepest relationships you have is when you were exposed when you were vulnerable and said, this, this is my weakness. And then even simple things like, this is just not what I'm good at. I mean, the, the story was hard and raw, but there's also these things like we're not good at everything. Like, we're not the greatest at everything, and sometimes just the simplest thing of saying I'm not good at this, will you help me? Exposes our weakness, and what happens with that exposure is you can be manipulated or you can be empowered. The moment someone knows your weakness, they can use it against you, and that's why we're afraid to share weakness. But when you have the right relationships, when a weakness is exposed, that person empowers you to say, hey, you can do it because I'm going to do it with you. Not, oh, you can do it, now go on your way, but hey, you can do it because I'm with you. And this is where we have to stop confusing quantity and quality. You have a lot of quantity time with some of your men friends, and they are not a quality. You're thinking about it right now. If you had been in the same situation Charles was in, you already know that some people that you spent a whole lot of time with, you ain't calling to talk. But it's the quality of relationship is what we need to focus on. One of the things that's happening, like most recently with my life, is relationships I thought I had, when things started to get dicey and hard, and conflict and opposition came up, relationships I thought I had, those are 
And I would tell you that quantity-wise, I had more time with them. But listen, five minutes with these guys of quality, we're getting somewhere. I can call that email and talk about, hey, we, I, I don't know how to figure this out, but we need to figure this out. Not, I'm going to tell you, you go figure it out, I'm going to do it with you. So I think what I hear from Charles Story, and then what you just heard from these guys is weakness. It's this weird paradox. Weakness is what builds relationships. And here's the deal. Any person that you share a weakness with that uses it against you, run from that relationship super fast. Because they are, they are toxic. That's Christmas. So I think this topic, Ted, you nailed it on that. This is a topic we need to talk about. Because really, until you start doing it right, you've been doing it wrong for so long. I, I agree. And that's... And the reason this was a topic is because it's something I'm working on, right? When you mention weaknesses, my problem is I try and take everything on myself. I try and do the whole thing. And these guys have actually had to pull me aside, even with this. Like, Ted, ask for help. Stop. Stop doing it yourself. Ask for help. Because, you know, when we try to lead or we try to do things, we think, okay, if I say, oh, I don't know how to do this one thing. If I expose vulnerability or expose weakness, to your point, okay, that's... That's the exposure. That's the weakness that could be taken advantage of. But a good relationship, okay, they're going to cover your flank. Like, okay, I know where you're vulnerable. I can cover that entrance. I can hold that down for you. So having the, the network of men around has been important. And that's something that was just kind of touched on in, when someone said a short amount of time. I think you mentioned a short amount of time and you said five minutes with these guys. There are guys I've known since I was five years old. And I still talk to them, I call them and everything, but those are not my deepest relationships. So the time I've known somebody does not equal the depth of my relationship with them. I've met a few people in this room. Andre Suttles in the back, by the way. Happy birthday, man. <laughs> Happy birthday. I met... He now has to pay for his own health insurance. <laughs> He's a grown man. But... That was a contact where I decided to do a podcast. Charles said, no, don't do it on your phone. I met somebody who can help you out. And me and Andre literally met the next day. And then a week later, we're filming the podcast. And I remember thinking to myself, this is somebody who just stumbled in my life. And we were like this instantly. And since we started the podcast, we've been contacting each other. We've been growing together, taking on ventures together. But the length of your relationship with somebody does not equal the depth. So I think that's really important to touch on. And so let's get practical here um, because uh, practical. Can I say that? Wild idea. Practical. <laughs> Why was it better? So as Jonathan just mentioned, this idea of exposing weakness and having a fear of exposing that weakness because it could be manipulated. And so what we have now is we have two parties. Both are scared. Both have weaknesses, but both don't want to talk about it. So what do you do? One of you has to go first. And I think when you really lock into this idea of how relationships are built even if you're not going through some type of struggle right during that time, you'll realize by doing this that by exposing the weaknesses or the things that you've gone through, you'll create that space, which is what the last Modern Man Live was all about. You'll create that space for that person to talk about what they're going through. And then a real connection will actually take place. But when you see that friend, you're like, how you doing, man? I'm great. What are they going to say? 
how are you doing? They're going to say, great. But if you respond when they say, man, how are you doing? Man, not that, not that well. I'm struggling in this one area of my life. What's going to happen when you get done talking? You say, well, how are you? They're not going to say great because it'd be kind of a dick move. <laughs> Sorry you're dealing with that. I'm great. No, they're going to they're gonna talk, talk about whatever area that they're struggling with. And now you're both able to lean in on each other and help one another, point them in the right direction. Um, you don't always have the answers, but you probably know someone that does. And so that's how these relationships are started. It's about two people just setting aside all this fake nonsense and the idea that we have to be perfect and that we have to be manly and macho. And one of them, one of those two people, which I challenge it to be you, just opening up. Man, I'm dealing with this, going through this. This happened, struggling with this. And watch what happens. Um, you'll be blown away by the conversations that arise when you just start posturing yourself like that when you're talking with somebody. And it could be someone like Ted that you've known your entire life, but you realize you've never had a real conversation with them. Or it could be someone that you just met for the very first time. That's the thing about being open with people and creating that space is that, that like time, it doesn't matter. That connection that you make is instant. And it's going to be long lasting when you're able to actually help each other and provide value to each other. And I mean, you'll be forever grateful for that relationship. And some of the greatest relationships that I have are some of the newest relationships that I have. And it's just because of that one thing, being vulnerable. And one of the things that is, has been conditioned in us, and I don't have a better word for it except this one, but we've been conditioned to accept soft lies. Like, how are you doing? Oh, good. That's not true. <laughs> you got something going on and you say, good, but guys are just conditioned. Listen to like this. Don't show weakness. You know, if you're having a bad day, you say, oh, things are going my way. You know, we're just, we've conditioned to this place where it's okay not to share what actually is going on. And then three days, you know, go by, and like, man, I wish someone would ask me about this hard thing. And, and what has happened is you just, in essence, lied yourself into your position. Because if you have someone ask you how you're doing and something's not right, say it. I'm not saying you gotta go into all the details, but don't allow yourself to be conditioned of not actually talking about what actually is going on in your life. And the more you start sharing vulnerably, the more you start sharing openly, the more comfortable you're going to be with it. And guess what? It is a massive filter for who you want in your life. Because if you start sharing authentically and transparently with people, and they don't want that, they're going to stop asking you. And you don't even have self-slight admiration, they're going to leave anyway. So one of these ideas is to stop believing the lie that it's okay to have kind of these soft, culturally acceptable half-truths, non-truths that, that you accept from people and that you share with people. Because that's what will condition you to, to stay in this rhythm of not sharing what is actually going on. Well, as usual, somebody got to be a dick. <laughs> that's going to be me. So I'll, I'll, I'll give you guys the part of my story. I had a dickhead part like a couple weeks later. So there's always lawyers involved with everything, right? You had an accident, something happened, whatever. So I get, this, <laughs> I get this letter in the mail that says you're being sued for wrongful fault in the death of this person. And this is somebody I know. So I immediately got emotional. I didn't talk to anybody for about, eh, it took about 24 hours. I talked to, but then I was like, okay. Get out of your bubble. Talk, talk, talk. 
because I was, man, I got, I got insurance. If I lose a case, I lose a case, whatever. But for me to think that was my fault, whoo. I mean, I, like I said, I've been to combat. That's not the issue. But so, but that's, that's what happened. That's how this, this person came this surmise. So, I, but, you know, later, after, and even as stupid as it sounds, me plugging that up for three, four, five days, holding to myself, when I talked to my lawyer, who's a good buddy of mine, DP, David Price, best in upstate, plug, that's my buddy, but he's a good friend of mine. And he said, no, man, that's, that, they're, they're just trying to, but for me to understand that, I didn't even reach out, and that hurt. Like, I, they really think this was my fault? Like, man, did I really have something to do with it? Well, maybe I did, and maybe it's my fault, and now, I, I, I had something to, no, that's not it. That's not life. That's not how it works. So what we're really trying to portray, well, what I'm trying to portray, I don't, I don't know about them cats, but the level of connection you have with different people will determine where you go in your life. I can tell you that flat out. Part two is that you don't get the same thing from everybody. The person that I go when I need empathy, yeah, I need empathy and, and sympathy. I want both of them at the same time. I'm going to see Granny, Rit, Granny Wit at her house, and I'm putting my head on that shoulder, and she's going to tell me, baby, you great. You're doing fine. All your mess-ups are okay. But there are times in my life I need to be checked. I need to be told I'm doing wrong. That ain't coming from Granny Wit. But I have people in place They love to tell me when I'm messing up. But it's a need. It is a need. There's so many, in another book I've read has told me, he calls them relational nutrients that you need to grow. It's just like, what do we need? We need vitamin A, B, C, D. We need that. So we, we can get strong, get swole, make it work. You need that uh, uh, emotionally and relationally. So the, the key is to find those people that, that can provide those for you. You need the person that's going to be sympathetic and empathetic to your situation. You need that person. You know, I'll tell you flat out, like, my, my girlfriend, for my friends that are here, she ain't empathetic about nothing. She looks me in my face and tells me, hey, nah, bro, you need to change up what you're doing. That is not working. We need to do this, that, the other. But that's she, so she's my confrontation place. But we all need confrontation. You need to be told. You need to understand. But we all need empathy. We all need sympathy. We all need growth. So my challenge would be find those people. Don't expect it all from one person. But find those people, find those positions, and accept that relationship. In, in that same vein, I'm curious. I want you to think about right now in your mind. I see all you guys right now. Now, look, I, now you you can't do this because you got three folks with you. Uh, you already, so you have to go outside of this crew right here. Okay? But in the room, and Andre, you can't look up here to any of us. Yeah, this, it won't give them. This, in other words, don't leave anyone in this room. Uh, outside of this room, think about five people right now. Not your mama, not family. Five men that you want your life to look like them. Go. That you want your life, you want what they have, you want, you want 
see, the scary part is, it's a struggle, isn't it? You would tell the truth, how many say you struggle with it? Because I can tell you, I had to be right outside, because that's the power of inner circle and what it means. So to me, there's inner circle and there's outer circle, right? See, that's why the danger of Facebook is all these friends, all these people that like you. Then you believe your own press, and you start becoming a legend in your own mind, and you start thinking everything is going your way. Because people just kind of get along with you, smile at you, and everything. But here's the thing. Adversity is going to reveal who you truly are and not who you say you are. Okay, that's number one. But then when you step into that, and now you're starting to see who you truly are, and you turn to the people that say they truly are who they are, and there's nothing happening, there's no combustion, there's no value, there's no growth, there's nothing. You really have some serious problems. So the question I want to put out there for you when you're thinking about this stuff right now is... And I guess I sound like a dick because I got to answer this question. I'm going to tell you something right now. To every man in here, doesn't matter what your age, what, how you feel, whatever, those people are out there. All right, so I'll, I'll give you one I know. Andre. Andre came to my kid's football game on Friday. Andre comes to football. He, hey, we're friends. I think we have a mentor-mentee relationship. We're great people. But there was a man at our church that goes to our church that just came to a game and talked to us the whole game and is a great brother, is a great mentor, is a great teacher, is retired, now runs an organization that is a volunteer organization. But I had never put my hand out to that man and he talks to me every Sunday. So don't think it's, oh man, nobody want to help me. Nah, brother, do you really want to get helped? Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> don't want no help. Yeah. Uh, no, but you, you just stole the words out of my mouth because I was just sitting here thinking, if you've ever been in a place where you're like, man, nobody gets me, nobody understands me, how in the world is anybody going to get you when you're not putting yourself out there? Like, how is anyone going to understand you when they don't know what to understand? You're good in their mind because that's all you do. Like they see you, oh, he's good, he's happy, he's on Instagram flexing. Like he, like, like he, like, like, nobody understands what I'm going through. That's because nobody knows what you're going through. And so that's what we're talking about here is being able to have real conversations about what you're actually going through with people so that they even have the opportunity to get you or to understand you. Um, but it, but how many, like, we've all had that thought. Like, man, nobody gets what I'm going through right now. Like, exactly, because no one knows what you're going through right now. So who do you have in your life that knows what you're going through right now? Like, who are those people? And if you don't have them, find them. They're out there probably saying the exact same thing that you just said about yourself. I think a lot of it starts with ego, right? I think as, as men, we're, we're quick to kind of size ourselves up against each other. Like, okay, what are you working with? What am I working with? What's your bank account look like? Ted is a thing. I was, I was less than satisfied with my body. I, I got pictures. <laughs> but it, 
took a relationship with Charles for him to send that picture to me and say, hey, what are you doing? And then we started going to the gym. And then by reaching out with him, by having somebody that first, I was able to put my ego aside and say, hey, man, you can lift one of me. You are stronger than me. Teach me how to be stronger. I think when we can kind of put our ego aside and realize when somebody has something we want, we don't want to look at that with distaste or, oh, they're going to show off, they're going to use it against me. No. How did you get that? Because I want that. So if we can make an avatar in our heads of what we want to look like, be like, what we want to do, that can help gravitate us to those people around us, put our ego aside, and maybe expose ourselves long enough to learn a thing too. And so go back to where we had the, we had the interruption. <laughs> <laughs> You'll believe that out. Um, tying into what he just said, that's the whole thing. If you can't think of those five people, why can't you be one of those people that you want people to look at and say, I want that in my life. You should walk around knowing that when people look at you, there is something about you that they say, I want that. What are you doing to get that? What have you done? Where have you gone? Who do you spend your time with? What? That's what you're looking for. We need more of that. And that's like that can be the power of the other. In other words, you start being the other and stop looking for the others to be that for you. You be the other first. I'm going to tell you right now, you can only attract who you are. And if you're more of that, you're more vulnerable, you're more accessible, you're more truth-telling, you're more available, guess what? You'll attract that. You ever hear someone say, people just come, I don't understand it, they just come and gossip to me. I'm like, I'm like, I don't have that problem. Because I shut them down. It's like, it doesn't happen. You only attract this stuff. So if you don't like what's around you, you have to look around and go, what am I actually living? What am I giving off? What is the power that I am carrying in me and putting out there to be magnetic, to attract the things that I would like to see in my own life? It does start with vulnerability for yourself to be willing to put yourself out there and meet someone brand new and say, you know what? I don't know what you're doing, but I don't have that. Will you tell me? And he may say no. Well, here's what I found out. When you're hungry, you look for food. I was a poor kid in the ghetto. I'm going to tell you right now. We, whether it was saltines and crackers, sardines and crackers, like saltines, that was dinner. That's what we ate. But we weren't hungry. We ate. We worked. We collected bottles. I mean, anything you do, apply those same principles. Practical? Yes, go out and say to someone, help me. I need help. And if they say no, next. I see things in your life. What are you doing? I don't care. I'm going to look like a fool until I find it. It's no different than I'm going to eat. I'm going to eat. And that's where you turn it into a priority that you say that I am more than I've become and my life is better than what I'm doing right now. There is still more to me. But most importantly, I know that I want to honor my God, the Creator. This is me. This is what I want. I want to honor Him and I want to inspire others. I want to be a power in their life. And that should be the passion and the pursuit that we all have within us to every day show up and not take shortcuts to something that we would call extraordinary. You want to know what extraordinary is? It's when your life, your head and your heart are in sync and you are living fulfilled that your mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, and financial self has what's called shalom, which is a peace, the word peace, biblically, that you're walking in that. In other words, if you've got money and 
your relationships suck, you have no shalom. That's the truth. And that's what we need to be looking for. And so look around your life. If you don't see it around you, you work on becoming it and finding that. But you go first. Tyler said it great. You go first. Yeah, and I'll I'll just I'll just gotta lightly lightly dust over that. Like, um here's something that I'll I'll tell you. So your relationship, and this is where a lot of us mess up. Don't expect don't expect any one person in your life to provide everything you need. Not how it works. That is why we're doing this right now. Because you need men in your life. So the same person you get empathy from. So if Tyler is very empathetic, if we're talking and he understands, and, and he's just, he just, he understands I'm down. Is he the person to correct me? Will I understand that? Will I accept that? That's a very base example. But that's why you need multiple relationships in multiple areas. And, and this is, dude, we want to take you guys down that path. We want to show you how to be who you want to be. So the first thing to understand is that you need relationship. You need it. You need it. The second thing to understand is that every relationship serves its purpose. I need someone. I need to hug my grandma. I need Tyler to empathize with me. I need Ted to tell me to shut the hell up and work. I need Tim to give me an explanation of how to run my business. I need Jonathan to tell me how to talk to my girlfriend. But they cannot all provide. One of them cannot provide all of that. That's, hey, y'all can take that to the house. Look, that's a, that's a freebie. You can take that home. Take that to your woman. You should not provide everything for her, and nor should she provide everything for you. Guarantee you when you understand and learn that, your whole life will change. You will start to understand, well, damn, I am messing up. This, I need to be put back. He'll tell me. This new business idea is great. I'm in honeymoon. He'll tell me I'm wrong. But she'll, she will tell me, I understand what you want to do and nothing else. Different relationships, different people provide different things. And this is the path that, that we want to take this world down. We want to we want to walk with you because, man, I don't understand it. I'm just learning. I want to walk with you guys down this path of understanding relationship, understanding growth, and understand the things that that will make everybody in this room badass. Real quick, one of the things about relationships is something I learned from Gandhi. Gandhi said, the best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in the service of others. And there is this, and you go to the self-help section at Barnes & Noble, just Google, like Google it or go on Amazon, thousands of books on how you should be a better person. Right? You could be a better person. Ten steps to this, five steps to that, a thousand things to this. But I do think there's this really fascinating thing in a relationship is that if you're really looking for yourself, find yourself in serving somebody else. And that doesn't mean just always, I mean, it can work with working with not-for-profit groups or, you know, those less fortunate, but sometimes it means going to your friends and saying, hey, how can I be a better friend? How can I serve you more? Hey, I have a relationship with you. You know, especially do this with one of your guy friends. Like, I have a relationship with you. You've been journeying through life for a long time. How can I be a better friend? 
threat to you, how could I serve you? Because you're saying that guy may not be able to go first because it's never been modeled for him to go first. So when you go, hey, I'm willing to serve open-handed. I'm willing to be that shade. I'm willing to be that person that helps you. How can I do it? Because if you're looking for something that's missing in your life, my suggestion would be just go serve those that you have a relationship with. Yes, it can be another group. Yes, it can be another community. But I'm telling you, those in your inner circle, those in your outer circle, need someone to come serve them. They need someone to come help them, to stand with them. So when you're thinking about these relationships, realize that one of the things that needs to be there is that you need to serve them. Graciously and kindly, but serve them. And so to combine what Charles and Jonathan just said, when Charles said, you got to figure out what you need, if you need it, be it. If you need encouragement, encourage somebody. If you are feeling hopeless, give somebody else hope. And it may not be in how they pour back into you, but the activity and the process of encouraging somebody else will bring you encouragement. If you don't believe me, try it. And so whatever that thing it is in your life that you know you need, like focus on that one thing and be that for as many people as humanly possible and you will find it. Either through them or through the process of being it for them, you'll find it for yourself. It's the crazy thing about what we're talking about. It's not easy. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not easy. It, it does require effort. But quite frankly, we're in a room full of men. Being a man is not easy. You know, we talk about being be modern men and having to step up and arrive So if everybody can just be extremely vulnerable for one minute, in the last year, the last 12 months, if you felt, maybe not all, but felt in some way that what he was just describing was you, just raise your hand. I mean, that's, that's, that's the reality. But what I know is that God will never give you more than you can handle because you wouldn't know what to do with it anyways. And so many times we try to take care of everybody else that we put ourselves last. And I don't know if you've ever tried to pour from an empty glass before, but it doesn't really work very well. And so, you know, the only practical thing that I can tell you, other than making sure that you've put God absolutely first, is that you got to come next. And that you got to take care of you and make sure you're good because none of these other situations, your, your kids, your girlfriend, ex-girlfriend, you know, mother of your child, but you can't take care of them if you can't take care of yourself. And so that, to me, is priority number one. But to know that you're not alone in this is huge. And to know that what you're feeling is not crazy, it's normal, completely normal, completely normal. You're just the only one with the balls to get up here and say it. Every single person could line up, line up and they would all cry, and they would all be just as emotional, but you had the balls to come up here and do it. And to me, that 
that proves everything that if you've got the courage to do that, then you've got more than enough to get yourself out of the situation you're in. More than enough. We can go a long way from being more kind to one another. You look, he's going to work every day. He's got stuff going on. He's trying to do his job well. And if we don't take time to actually engage with other men, but can we stop being unkind to one another? The kindness is such a little thing, but it's so hard and so desperately needed. But here's just want to say, you need to be kind to yourself too. Because a year ago, a year ago, I was given some of the best advice by leaders who I look up to, and they just said, Jonathan, you got it. You have to give yourself a break. You have to stop being so hard. You need to be kind to yourself. So I would do one thing kind for yourself today. I don't know what it is. Pop popcorn. I don't know. Do one thing kind for yourself. Do one thing kind for yourself because we all need to do a better job of being kind to one another, but we also need to do a whole lot of better job of being kind to ourselves and not berate ourselves, belittle ourselves, and dismiss ourselves. We need to be kind to ourselves too. So thank you, as Tyler said, and for all these guys. And thanks for being along. We really appreciate it. Tim. You, 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 you're not going to say anything? I mean, I, I'm not really calling Tim out. So when I had my conversation with Tim, like, uh, so when I had my little situation, I was still in man mode. I, I wanted to, I knew I can't handle it myself, but like people that are close to me, Ted found, Ted was, Ted found, the only reason Ted knew, and I would say Ted's my best friend in Greenville. You know, he knew because he was on the news. And it was an accident, and it was on the news. I wouldn't have never told him. And I just, there was some points, the religious point, the side, and my thoughts. I had to tell it. I had to. So, hey, brother, thank you for telling us. Because I 100%, I don't know what I can offer, but I'll help you. Don't ever forget the power of what you offer. I see a few eyes in here, some some of my dudes that, that I know very well. Dude, I pour into them guys, and I love doing it. And that helps me probably more than it helps them. But if you don't have anything in your cup, as Tyler was saying, you can't pour out. So don't, but for me, what I would tell you is don't ever worry. If I'm pouring into you, don't ever worry about that, where I'm getting it from. What I'm telling you, when I'm prepared to pour into you, that means I'm accepting it from somewhere else. Uh, I have a post on my Instagram when, you know, and I call myself an ATM. I took a picture next to, it says ATM inside. And people think, you know, I, I'm cheesy, I'm flashy, whatever, whatever, y'all deal with it. But that's who I am. But the, the moral of the story is if you, people come up to an ATM every day and they get what they need. They get money, get money, get money, get money. Then someone comes along and refills the ATM. It ain't the person taking money out. 
ever. I know where I get my ATM refilled from. I've established that, and I've learned to understand that. I have several, my girlfriend, my close friends, my grandmother, I get my ATM refilled. I'm go, I might go see my grandma when I leave here after this. But when I do that, I can fulfill those requests. I can give out that, no, you need 200, I got, matter of fact, I, I got whatever you need. So don't just remember that. I want all, everyone in here, when you leave here this week, give it out. Give everything you have out to someone. Maybe it's 10 people, but give it out. But remember to get refilled because you won't have anything to give out. One of my favorite quotes that resonates so much with, with what you just said is, is sometimes you don't realize you're drowning when you're trying to be everybody else's anchor. And the best part about what you just said is you realize it. And that's the first step, is realizing that you're drowning. Now all you got to do is, is start swimming, right? And I think you got a handful of people in here that are going to connect with you that can help you do that, which is why you're here. And this is that, like, literally... What you just did is the entire reason when me and Ted sat down two years ago and thought about what this would ever look like was for that exact reason. So thank you. So, love that. <laughs> thank you for sharing that. Um, I think it is important. It's, it's all alignment. All relationships all about alignment. Um, and it's what you agree upon when you get together. I mean, I mean most people, okay, first of all, let me just say this. If you're a man and you're looking for a woman, it's one thing to have a woman's hand. It's another thing to have her heart. Okay? And so it's easy to get hands. We get hands all day. It's heart. And also, the woman's supposed to be beside you, not below you. She can provide too. Okay? And she can have ambition, and she can have drive, and all those things. It's when you have communication and discuss those things in advance. See, that's why premarital counseling is one of those weird things that people don't want to do anymore. And I'm like, here's premarital counseling to me. Do you like sex like this? Do you spend your money like that? That's when you really get into the truth of it, okay? Like, I'm talking like real stuff, right? Not this. So, do you understand non-sexual touching, Tyler? <laughs> no, let's have a real conversation here. What issues do you have? Your mouth doesn't what? I mean, I'm not kidding. We don't talk anymore about real things. It's the truth. But here's the thing, we're going to talk about it because we got to be willing to talk about it. So, I love that you're looking at that alignment, but let me also encourage you this because you're still growing and so is she. And her she may have latent potential with ambition that you're not aware of. And it may be rising up in her. It's a seed that was planted five, seven, ten years ago that will spring up out of nowhere and be like, surprise! <laughs> and then you're going, whoa, 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 whoa! We didn't do this in the beginning, Lady Love. <laughs> right? We have to learn that relationship is something that must evolve. But it must be done in proximity. We need to be able to build off of it. We have to stay close in proximity. So as you're making your agreements and your arrangements in the beginning, you also have to understand that adjustments are absolutely necessary. Keep driving your car with the same Michelin tires for 10 years and see what your alignment looks like. 
Okay? Motion creates friction. The rubber's going to wear out, and you need to retread. It's the truth. And this is the things that we need to do. So I'm not coming down on you, man. I'm just saying for everyone listening, figure it out. You always need to realign constantly in your relationship. Because if not, you'll find she's going north, you're going east. Something else is happening. And you go, well, it's kind of northeast, right? No, it's called tug of war. You're pulling against each other. All relationships have necessary tension. Motion creates friction. There's necessary tension in order to make it work. You didn't have bicep and tricep tension, how would your arm function? That's true. There's a tension there. It's natural. But if it's putting the unused stress and tension through not really communicating the original intent of things, but always know this, no relationship is a closed canon. The only thing that's a closed canon is I'm yours and you are mine. You are 100% you and I'm 100% me. It's not 50-50. If my wife comes to me and says 50-50, I'm going to say, where's another 50% of you going? <laughs> it's the truth. We need to get into 100-100. All of me, all of you. And well, I'm imperfect. Perfect. I need all of you then. I need all of you with your imperfect. You're good, you're bad, you're ugly, you're indifferent. You understand? All your curves, all your edges, all your perfect imperfections. <laughs> Understand that, and they're getting on the same boat, thinking they're going in the same direction. Most people are more happy and excited about the wedding and all the preparation and all that stuff, and then they talk about going on a honeymoon. Uh uh, you go on vacation, come home, and start your honeymoon. Wow, that's a different conversation. Pew pew, <laughs> shots fired from Tim Pecorero. So, uh, I'm gonna give you guys a scenario. Say your woman makes five hundred, yes, five hundred thousand dollars a year. Woo, yeah, baby. <laughs> five hundred thousand. So this is what my five hundred thousand dollar woman would look like. I would wake up thirty minutes before she did. Now, if she showered at night, cool. If she did not shower, shower would be running. Breakfast would be cooked. Baby, you good? I got your outfit. You want you, you want to wear this? No. What else you need? Okay, well, I'll get you another outfit. She would leave the house with lunch in her hand. If she did not have lunch in her hand, I would bring her lunch or meet her for lunch. When she got home, house would be spotless. I would have worked out four times. <laughs> and dinner would be ready to start. Now, when she walked in, I was like, do you want to eat or do you want to take your bath after? Because what I realized is that I've had all this free time all day to do whatever the hell I want. Now... Baby, oh, oh, you want to get in, go ahead, get in the bath. Baby, you want dinner in the bathtub? I, girl, I, you know, it's on. It'll be warm. And I would take her dinner, shoot it out of the bathtub. What you want to watch on TV? Netflix cute? Netflix? I, girl, girl, I want to watch that movie too, I know. Because she kissed him and it's beautiful and we'll, we'll watch that movie. But she makes $500,000 a year. And I don't do anything other than take care of her. Flip the script, I expect the same if I make that money and she takes care of me. Now, I'll give you my real life. I moved to Traveler's Rest-ish. I live on the Old Town Road. 
Yeah. My girlfriend trains horses. She does equestrian, and she wanted to have a horse for him. Now, I looked at her bills when she was at this other place. She was renting. She had a house side house. She was renting a horse farm. I looked at her bills. I'm like, damn, that's like $4,000 a month. That's a lot of money to rent some shit. So, uh, can we get, and, and then she's like, well, I'm going to get my own place, and, and we're going to go over here. Damn, that makes a lot of sense. Give you two, three months later, we live on a horse farm. Now, how many of you, put your hand up, honestly, those of you who know me, those of you who even don't know me, who would really see me living on a horse farm? <laughs> I had a lot of fun with that one. <laughs> but we're partners. And I'll tell you like this. We argued before I got here. But we're partners. So if you have a pie, it don't matter if you cut it down the middle. It doesn't matter if you cut 16 slices. She has nine and you have seven. I'm good at math. That's 16. Okay, don't play me. Um, if you're a quarter and a quarter, it doesn't matter. That's your pie. You cut it and you guys understand it. Well, baby, on this end, you make 99% of the money. I'll do 99% of the shit at home. It's an agreement. It's teamwork. And that's what we got to understand with women. You want a partner, right? I want the tag team championship belts at my house. When, when I'm down, if I'm sick, if I have to go to the hospital, my girl got it. Bill's paid. I'm taken care of. She looking at the doctor like, nope, not doing this. We doing this, that, and the other. My little son, I'm going to name him Escalade. Sorry, baby. That's what I'm going to call him. And uh, Escalade's going to be fine. But it, we, we are a team. I'm not really naming him Escalade. Should be mad. Um, we're a team. And that's what you're looking for. You are looking for your tag team partner. You are looking for 50-50 for the whole relationship. If you make 90% of the money, but she does 90% of the stuff at home, you even. If you're ambitious, she doesn't have to be ambitious. She has to understand your ambition, but you have to understand her, her need for a tidy house, for children, for whatever it is. It's just got to be equal. And equal doesn't mean y'all are 50-50 on a certain plane. I think what Charles kind of touched on, and when we talk about relationships, you know, I, I knew this conversation would end up falling on spouses, you know, because that's, that's a huge part of us as men. We want to look for our partners, and we want to operate at the best of our ability. My personal belief as men, we optimize the effectiveness of our household, period. However that looks, whether it's me staying at home, her staying at home, but when we my fiance, my now fiance, me uh, and Jess were talking, and she saw my ambition. She saw my career taking up, down, left, right. And she only asked, she said, well, what about me? Do you just want me to follow you? I said, no. I want you to have something of your own. I think what we each want when we're in a relationship is we want purpose. And I think as men, the hardest thing is, okay, if, if we pride ourselves on being the breadwinner, and we pride ourselves on providing, yet, our spouse makes more money. And, and this is the most, this is probably the hardest thing it's been for us to accept. We have a, an awesome woman who makes more money. She comes home, still handles the house and everything. What about me? What do I do? 
that's on us to find our purpose and our contribution. Charles, he hits the nail on the head. He's like, okay, if she's making $500,000, he's going to optimize her performance. He's going to use his skills to optimize her performance in doing so. You might have a different purpose. You might have a different tactic on finding your purpose, and that's okay. Quick story I always, I always talk about when we talk about relationships. There are two hunters, a wise hunter and a young hunter. The young hunter goes into the forest and finds the most beautiful fat flower in the forest. He falls in love with that flower. He digs it up, puts it in the pot, takes it home, and loves the flower for two weeks until it dies. The smart hunter goes into the same forest, finds the most beautiful flower, falls in love with the flower, but instead of potting it and taking it home, the farmer comes back, he fertilizes the ground around it, he builds a fence around it, and comes back every day and enjoys the beauty of that flower for a long life. If you find love, if you find somebody, you don't take them out of where they are and bring them to you. You let them live where they are, and you just maximize their ability to grow. One of the phrases that has come up a lot, and I just want to address it, is this idea of like God giving you more than you can handle. Right? We've heard, we've heard people bring it up. We've heard encouragement, like, hey, God's never giving you more than you can handle. God's never giving you more than you can handle. Okay? And generally, the person saying that is not just like, they don't know all you're handling. And inside your head, you're going, oh. And uh, Mother Teresa, I think, summed it up really well. She said, I believe that God won't give me more than I can handle. I just wish he didn't trust me so much. <laughs> uh, and uh, another one of if uh, you want to know how tall you are, T.S. Eliot said this, you want to know how tall you are unless you're almost drowning. Right? If you're not over your head, how do you know how tall you are? So as men, this is why relationships are so important, right? You know how, like, what you shared. Like, when you live in isolation, you will feel like you have more than you can handle. When you live in isolation, when you don't share what's going on, you will feel like you have more than you can handle. But this is why you have a relationship, because when you feel like you have more, too much that you can't handle, you've got people around you who say, but I can help you with that. Because when God said, he's not giving you more than you can handle, he never meant for you to live in isolation. So sometimes you individually, yes, it's a little too much. Because you weren't meant to live in isolation. So if you do feel like you're carrying too much, there's too much, and you feel like God's giving you the raw end of the deal, and he's giving you too much, he might be saying, but I put people around you, you just are too proud to go ask for help. Because they're there to carry it with you. They're there to carry it with you. So one of the things, too, is when you hear somebody say, well, God's not going to give you more than you can handle, and he's a friend, maybe you should just say, cool, what can you help take from <laughs> What What can you help? Because I, I, got, I got something. And one of my favorite analogies is kind of, my friend said, John, this is how I think you live your life. Uh, when you see someone with a whole bag, like carrying two big, big things, groceries, there are these massive things, and someone goes, hey, can I take something from you? They're like, uh, Yes, but if I try to move one thing, I'm dropping everything. So one of the best gifts you can give to any of your friends is if you see them carrying a lot, more than they can handle, rather than asking, hey, what can you give me? Just say, hey, I can take this off your plate. I can grab this out of the back. I can help you with this. And, I mean, not to keep talking, but two guys like uh, Charles and Tyler. Charles doing it for me next week, Tyler doing this week. They've heard some stress going on, but I guess I can take that off the way. They didn't ask me, what do you need? They're like, I can help you with this. I can help you with this. 
So remember, if you feel like you've had too much, and God's given you too much, maybe He's given it too much for you, but He's meant for you to have someone else carry it. Well, guys, thank you so much for sharing with us. We've been mentioned with relationships, and as we talk about the mark of man, you know, it's, it's part of it is being leaders. And I think what we've come to to agreements here on as being leaders in relationships and vulnerability is going first, right? And it's hard to show that vulnerability because we want to kind of have that clean armor. Well, a clean armor has never seen battle. And you're going through battle. And because of that, you're going to have kinks in your armor. You're going to have those. Was it you that said that? I'm not a If you, have clean, if you have clean arms, you've never been through battle. So if you can show those vulnerabilities, and some folks did, I'm asking a question. Yeah. I mean, since since we talk about it, I mean, why don't you share your biggest relationship problem? My biggest relationship problem? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How much time you got? Like <laughs> you got one minute. I'll, I'll be honest. So right now it's a season of, of me trying to step up. Just got engaged, and my wonderful fiance, she's in the process of, of finding her new path. And with that, she, she worked a job that did not serve her, and she was able to walk away from it, which I'm very proud of. However, my mind automatically switches to, okay, now I have to take up all the finances, I have to take up all this stuff. And going through the season of everything I'm trying to do, it's hard to, it, it's hard to kind of grasp how I can do that. And the reason Charles calls me out is when I reached out to him, I think I mentioned the Tyler too, and in my current season of, of trying to elevate but also take on burdens, which quite frankly Jess has never asked me to take on, but just as the man in the relationship, I automatically want to. I automatically feel like that's my job to, and I guess the fear is can I hold this? Can I, can I lead this? I think there's there's fear in this is a time in my life I have the most to lose, and I'm thankful for all of that. But every single decision I make now is is harder. Every single decision I make now has more consequences. Because if I wasted some money on some stuff and I have to eat ramen for a week, that's just me. I can handle that. But now there's there's somebody else who relies on me. There's somebody else who looks up to me. Quite frankly, sometimes and she'll ask for my guidance, and I just uh, I want to know I'm in enough. That makes sense. Well, Ted, you're always man enough because you're still here. Um, one thing that Ted Ted kind of sent me, uh, and that's why I put him out there, is he asked me for advice about the situation. So what I would tell you is I like I like to use that pie analogy because it's easy. So before you had your pie, now you have our pie. Y'all are a team. So even when you had our pie, she was working, so your pie was cut in a certain way. The pie actually never gets bigger. It just gets cut different. So if, if my spouse were to say, well, I need to not work. Okay, I know I need to work, make more money. I need to work harder. And my spouse is pregnant, and she knows that right now. And this is, this is one of our little triumphs. It was, it's been very new. Now, she wants to make my food, even if it's just a sandwich. But she understands that she may need to ask me to pay 300 more, 400 more, because I know she can't. My girlfriend rides horses, teaches horse riding, whatever. It's not my thing. It's her thing. She teaches it for a living. But when you're pregnant, can't really get on a horse. Doesn't really work out too well. But she understands. So if she can't do that, she needs to participate in another way. 
She needs to provide me that hour to make that $50 she can't make. That's, that's when you have a real working operative relationship. You only have one pot. Your pot never changed. Your family needs, if your family needs $10,000 a month to save, uh, eat, live good, entertain yourselves, that's great. But there's other things that underlie making money. So you have this whole group of stuff you need to do. If you take home more here, she should take home more there. If she takes home more here, then you can step back and do more in another arena. And that's the conversation we had the other day. And that's why I wanted you to share that, man. I mean, you're, you're, you're the example, man. And we're looking and, and we see you growing and changing, brother. Wow, I appreciate it. And having you guys up here with me has helped me through all the seasons of life. I'd like to connect with everybody a little bit more as we enjoy some delicious food. The Uptown Company that's in the back corner, they set that up while you guys are all paying attention up here. So thank you, Chris. Uh, is Chris in here? He's in the other room. Chris, thank you for that. Guys, thank you so much. We're going to enjoy some food once again from the Uptown Company and for the camera.